Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Run. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. And speak... This, then, uncle, by what I have heard, and what I have seen, and what I have surmised, I am already as deep in your secrets, respecting Grimm, as you are yourself. You speak falsely, you little... No one knows anything about it but myself, exclaimed the Commodore, betraying himself through astonishment and indignation. Without heeding the contradiction, except by a sly smile, Jacqueline went calmly on, and I know that you wish to make me a stalking horse to convey the estate to Grimshaw, only because you cannot give it to him in any other way but through his wife. What do you mean, you little diabolical? It is my own. Why can I not give it to whom I please? I should like to know. You can give it to anyone in the world, uncle, except Dr. Grimshaw, or to one who bears the same relationship to you that he does. For to such a one you may not legally bequeath your landed estate or, you shocking, impudent little vixen, how dare you talk so? Hear me out, uncle. I say, knowing such to be the case, I also know my own importance as a stalking horse, or sumpter mule, or something of the sort, to bear upon my own shoulders the burden of this estate which you wish to give by me to Dr. Grimshaw. Therefore... I shall not give myself away for nothing. I intend to sell myself for a price. Nothing on earth would induce me to consent to marry Dr. Grimshaw were it not to secure peace and comfort to my mother's latter days. Your threat of turning me out of doors would not compel me into such a marriage, for well I know that you would not venture to put that threat into execution. But I cannot bear to see my poor mother suffer so much as she does while here, dependent upon your uncertain protection. You terrify and distress her beyond her powers of endurance. You make the bread of dependence very, very bitter to her indeed, and well I know that she will certainly die if she remains subjected to your powers of tormenting. I speak plainly to you, uncle, having nothing to conceal. To proceed, I assure you, I will not meet your views in marrying Dr. Grimshaw unless it be to purchase for my poor mother a deliverance from bondage and an independence for life. Therefore, I demand that you shall buy this place, Locust Hill, which I hear can be bought for $5,000 and settle it upon my mother in return for which I will bestow my hand in marriage upon Dr. Grimshaw. And mind, I do not promise with it either love or esteem or service, only my hand in civil marriage that shall make my mother independent of the world must be drawn up or examined by a lawyer that she shall appoint and must be placed in her hands on the same hour that gives my hand to Dr. Grimshaw. Do you understand? Now, uncle, that is my ultimatum. For please, the heavens above us, come what may, do what you will. Turn me and my mother out of doors to freeze and starve. 
I will die and see her die before I will sell my hand for a less price than will make her independent and at ease for life. For, look you, I would rather see her dead than leave her in your power. Think of this, uncle. There is time enough tomorrow and next day to make all the arrangements. Only be sure I am in earnest. Look in my face. Am I not in earnest? I think you are, you little wretch. I could shake the life out of you. That would be easy, uncle. There is not much to shake out. Only in that case you would have no stalking horse to take the estate over to Dr. Grimshaw. And so saying, Jacquelina arose to leave the room. Come back here, you little vixen, you. Sansuchi returned. It's well to strike while the iron's hot, and to bind you while you're willing to be bound, for you are an uncertain little villain, though I don't believe you'd break a solemn pledge once given, eh? Huh? No, sir. Pledge me your word of honor now, that if I buy this little farm of Locust Hill, and settle it upon your mother, you will marry Dr. Grimshaw on this coming Christmas Eve. I pledge you my word of honor that I will. Without mental reservation. Without mental reservation. Stop. It is safer to seal such a pledge. Climb up on the stand and hand me that Bible down off the top shelf. Brush the cobwebs off it and don't let the spiders come with it. Jacqueline did as she was bid with a half-indifferent, half-disdainful air. There. Now lay your hand upon this book and swear by the holy evangelists of Almighty God that you will do as you have pledged yourself to do. I swear, said Jacquelina. Very well. Now, confound you, you may put the book back again and go about your business. Sansuchi very willingly complied, and then as she left the room and closed the door after her, her quick ear caught the sound of the Commodore's voice chuckling. So I've trapped you. Ten minutes more, and it would have been impossible. Full of wonder as to what his words might mean, doubting also whether she had heard them all right, Jacquelina was hastening on toward her mother's room, when she met her Aunt Henrietta hurrying towards her and speaking impetuously. Oh, my little Lapwing, where have you been? I've been looking for you all over the house. Good news, dear Lapwing, good news. Deliverance is at hand for you. Who do you think has come? Who? Who? questioned Sansuchi eagerly. Cloudy! Lost! Lost! cried the wretched girl, and with a wild shriek that rang through all the house, she threw up her arms and fell forward to the ground. The marriage was appointed to take place on Christmas Day. Jacquelina suffered her mother to dress her in bridal array. Dr. Grimshaw was waiting for her in the hall. As soon as she reached the foot of the stairs, he took her hand and, pressing it, whispered, Sweet girl, forgive me this persistence. May God never forgive me if I do, she fiercely exclaimed, transfixing him with a flashing glance. Never lover uttered a deeper sigh than that which Dr. Grimshaw gave forth as he led his unwilling bride to the carriage. The groomsman followed with a bridesmaid. The commodore and Mary Lasseur accompanied the party in a gig. Henrietta, true to her word, refused to be present at the marriage. When the wedding party arrived at the chapel, 
all the pews were filled to suffocation with the crowd that the rumor of the approaching marriage had drawn together, and the bridal party were the cynosure of many hundred eyes as they passed up the aisle and stood before the altar. The ceremony proceeded, but not one response, either verbally or mentally, did Jacqueline make. The priest passed over her silence, naturally ascribing it to bashfulness, and honestly taking her consent for granted. The rites were finished, the benediction bestowed, and friends and acquaintances left their pews and crowded around with congratulations. Among the foremost was Thurston Wilcoxon, whose suave and stately courtesy and graceful bearing and gracious words so pleased Commodore Waugh that knowing Jacqueline to be married and safe, he invited and urged the accomplished young Parisian, as he was often called, to return and partake of the Christmas wedding breakfast. Nace, do you take your bride home in the gig, as you'll want her company to yourself, and we will go in the carriage, said the Commodore good-naturedly. In fact, the old man had not been in such a fine humor for many a day. Dr. Grimshaw, nothing loath, led his fair bride to the gig, handed her in, and took the place beside her. Now then, fairest and dearest, you are at last indeed my own, he said, seeking her eyes. Thank heaven I am not. I never forswore myself. I never opened my lips or formed a vow in my head. I never promised you anything, said Jacquelina, turning away, and the rest of the journey was made in silence. End of chapter 10